Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. Welcome, you're listening to Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM The Bay and MuskokaUnlimited.com. Thanks for listening. We have a great guest to chat with today. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM The Bay. I'm Jenny Cressman, your host of this show, and I'm enjoying being the host so very much. I want to thank Chris Ocutsi for passing the torch to me, however long it may be. And what we do on this show is talk to interesting people about the interesting stuff they're doing. And today's interesting guest is Elizabeth Siegfried, whom some of you may know because of the show that she hosted a couple of years ago now at the Algonquin Theatre in the Partners Hall, Circus. It was a a collection of her photographs from her family. And I think, Elizabeth, you're going to tell us a little bit more about that, maybe to start with, and then more about your background, too. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. Very exciting to, to be back. Um, yes, yeah, circus. I was very fortunate to find a box of old 16 millimeter films that my family had taken. Primarily, my grandmother had taken them at our place, uh, which our ancestral home, which is what I'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. And um, so I, I transposed them all to uh, video, and then I went through frame by frame by frame, and I found great images of the Ringling Circus. Uh-huh. And so my the beginning of that was I made cards, and then I thought, well, why don't I just make large prints? So I ended up having a, a pretty major showdown in Sarasota, because that's where the uh, Ringling yes. Circus uh, winter home was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I was fortunate to have a show here at Partners Hall with the uh, with all of the, the the images big big images and then I sold the cards as well. It was very intriguing the show. I loved it. Yeah, it was well, fun. T- tell me the connection with your family. You found the photos in your family home at Oxtongue Lake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my um, there was the only connection really was that my grandmother had gone down to Sarasota numerous mm-hmm. times to visit friends and when she was there she would go to uh, not necessarily the circus itself but she mm-hmm. would go to where the circus was spending the winter and uh-huh. at that time in the 20s and 30s and uh-huh. 40s uh, you could actually wander around the the back lots and you could see the circus performers hanging out and, uh-huh. and practicing uh-huh. and you could talk to them and and uh, there's uh, there's one series that I have with Emmett Kelly, who was a very, very a famous oh, yes. clown, yeah. doing what appears to be a personal uh, little show for my grandmother, you know, yeah. that, that she filmed. So, so she was into photography. She was, and yeah. so that's a genetic yeah. link, I yeah. guess, with you. Well, her father was really into photography too, and okay. had done some work. Um, some uh, kind of informal work for National Geographic. Ah. He had uh, traveled around the world twice mm-hmm. and taken photographs for National Geographic and then wrote articles about the places where he'd been. Okay. So and then he published a book called Glimpses of Foreign Lands. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think I get the photographic gene 
you know, I have it for, for a reason. Uh-huh. Well, and writing. So you get both. Yeah, Double and dose. writing. That's and, right. And I find yeah. it interesting that you're now interested in poetry, a new passion for mm-hmm. you. Um, it so often seems that a person who is creative in one way, whether it's art, photography, or whatever, is then also creative in another way. So for me, my big love is writing, but mm-hmm. I dabble in photography. <laughs> uh, I always wanted to be a painter, but I find uh-huh. I have no talent painting. <laughs> I yeah. think I, I don't think I have the patience or something. Yeah. I don't know. I found that too, actually. <laughs> but I was uh, when I was in grade school, uh, I used to do a lot of creative writing, and I came ah. across some of the things that I wrote, and I thought these are pretty good, you know. And uh, and it wasn't until and then I gave gave it up really. I gave up writing, and uh, my my degree, my undergraduate degree, is English. Uh-huh. Um, and I was born in the States, but I've been living here in Canada for the last 30 some odd years. Okay. And uh, so I went to Skidmore College, which had a very strong English department. So I, my undergraduate degree was, was in English, mm-hmm. but then I got kind of turned towards photography my senior year. So okay. that became my big passion. Well, no, I've heard the name Skidmore, but I'm not sure where it's located. It's in Saratoga Springs, New York, oh, which is famous okay. for its horse racing. Yeah. And yeah. its springs. Yes. So, okay. yeah. Okay, so upstate you... Upstate New York. Okay, so you also attended school elsewhere besides Skidmore. I did. I got my master's of fine arts uh, in, in photography at Maine, Maine Media, which is in Rockport, Maine, okay. which is on the coast north of Portland, about an hour and a half north of Portland. Okay. And uh, and I had also gone there when it was just the Maine Photographic Workshops. I mm-hmm. had done a six-month intensive uh uh, certificate or whatever they called it back then in the early 90s. Okay. I was there for six months. Uh-huh. And that's really when my love for photography got uh, became indelible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Imprinted. <laughs> Imprinted. And, uh, but then when I went back to main media, because it had become a school, mm-hmm. a real school by that time, um, it was it was a three year low residency program. Mm-hmm. So I you went there uh, one, twice a year for a couple of weeks, and you would be working when you weren't there. You would be working with mentors okay. and do, working on pro- projects, and then you would have to present everything to everybody. And while I was doing that, I ended up studying with some some uh, writers some uh, memoirists and poets. Okay. And uh, so I was able to study with Richard Blanco and Kevin Pilkington, Meg Weston, some pretty top-notch poets. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I just, I found that my poetry was so much like my photography, very layered, and I could express the imagery with words mm-hmm. uh, and and not only with the, the visual visual language. So do you envision at some point of having a show or a book that combines the two? I'm, at first I did, and then I thought, or I talked to quite a few poet friends of mine, and they 
seem to feel that the having the imagery and the poetry together would dilute. Oh, really? So they suggested that I have the poetry, maybe even have the imagery in the back of the book or a, a companion book with the photographs. Ah. I thought that was kind of an interesting. Yeah, I find uh, that very thought. interesting too, because yeah. to me it would it would seem the opposite. Um, I often, um, if I'm writing a poem or reading a poem, then I, I have a visual, and sometimes it's nice to actually see something that sort of corroborates or else mm -hmm. helps lead the direction so that there's a greater understanding of the poem. Right, yeah, so well, that, that is definitely one way of looking at it. It's the same way of having having a little blurb under your photograph telling mm -hmm. telling people trying to explain more of what the photograph is about yeah um i was when i first started working in photography words were like no 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 you don't explain it that people yeah. look at your image images and they they bring themselves to it and they interpret the imagery imagery in their own way. You don't tell them what it's about. You yeah. give them the space to figure it out. Well, and that's been said about poetry, too. Right, right. Yeah, don't explain yeah. what you've written. Let people interpret it however they feel is appropriate. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. Yeah, it's so an interesting conundrum on how to combine those two passions, then. I know, because <laughs> I, I, I thought it would be really fun to have, you know, pictures and But and then again, you're the creative person. You have to decide what's right for you. Exactly. <laughs> and I haven't made that decision quite yet. <laughs> okay. But you do have some books out already. I do. I have uh, a book that was published in 1990. It's called Lifelines. And mm -hmm. uh, that was all. I used to work primarily with platinum, which is an historical um, technique and you, in which you mix your own emulsion, you hand coat it onto paper, and then you take a negative that is the size of the uh, image that will be, uh -huh. and you uh, put it in contact with the emulsion, expose it to light, develop mm. it. And, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful process. That would give it a different sort of patina, wouldn't it? Yeah, it looks very three-dimensional ah. and uh, has a luminosity that I think just can't can't be can't be beat by any other photographic technique yeah so i was working with that and i had i was with a gallery in toronto the stephen bolter gallery for many years and um had had a show of that book uh down there and uh and had one a couple more in the states mm -hmm. and did i have one up here i can't remember I don't think so. I don't remember seeing it. No. And maybe you'll be able to mount another show. Yeah, I would soon. love to. I would love to. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to just leave for a little bit of a commercial break, and then okay. we'll get back to talking more about what projects might be on the forefront for Elizabeth Siegfried Betts, as many people know her. <laughs> My guest today on Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 The Bay. This is Jenny Cressman. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Hello, and welcome back to Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM The Bay. I'm Jenny Cressman, your host today with Elizabeth Siegfried. Now, before the break, we were talking a little bit about some of the projects that Elizabeth has had and her connection to the place, the place that inspires her, the place place that hooked her heart. And I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that particular place, Elizabeth. Well, this place is uh, an ancestral 
summer home. My great-grandparents at the turn of the century um, came up here. They had friends in Dwight, and uh, they used to, my great-grandfather used to go hunting and fishing, and he had very bad asthma, mm-hmm. and some friends in Dwight said, well, you should, you should look into finding some property and building up here because this is you know, great for people who have asthma. Oh, really? Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Yeah, I've certainly <laughs> never heard that. <laughs> so he started off looking for, for a property to build a summer home. And uh, while he was off looking in Algonquin Park, my great-grandmother was going on a picnic on mm-hmm. Oxtongue Lake and came across a piece of property that she just absolutely fell in love with. Ah. So long story short, they ended up building, building a place in 1903. Mm-hmm. They had a huge family. Um, five children, 13 grandchildren, and everybody would come up. Uh, it was in the old days when they would have to take the boat across the lake, and then they'd have to they'd spend the night in Toronto, and then trains and uh. horse-drawn buggies and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So as a child, um, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, the place belonged to my mother and her two sisters. And so we used to come up and spend as much of the summer as possible. And uh, you know how it gets into your blood once you yeah. get up here. You yeah. just can't get it out. And my life revolved around uh, getting back to, to being up here. So, so it's a, a rambling family enclave with numerous buildings. It's, it, yes, it was built to house a large family, a main house with different sleeping cabins. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any children. My sister does not have any children. Mm-hmm. So we are, it's, it's kind of like an inverse family tree. In fact, I did a body of work on it called Termina ah. uh, about how it's, it's just dwindled down to my sister and myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thinking of creative ways of having the, the legacy continue. But... Um, but all of my inspiration has, has come from this place. Yeah. And it's the reason that I live in Canada now. I mean, and, and is it winterized? Is it's, it habitable It is in not winter? winterized. Okay. It itself has not winterized. Uh, and then uh, uh, my husband and I uh, built a winterized place just down the road ah. so we could be close to it. Okay. So it really has been the focus. All yeah. of my major decisions in life have revolved around being close to what what we call Chape Inn because my great-grandparents' name was Chapin. Okay. And uh, so I've been photographing there. It's been my muse uh, for my entire life. It's been my mm. muse and also the albatross around my neck. <laughs> you have a double whammy. It's a double whammy because, you know, yeah, I don't go edges. anywhere else. And, yeah. and, uh, but I love it. So it, it's, uh, it's a very interesting relationship that I have. And, and my latest project has been just about that interesting relationship, the relationship okay. to the place and the, the uh, ancestral spirits that still yeah. live there and uh-huh. uh, my feeling of having that connection of, yes. of time, the time now. I mean, time really seems to be an illusion. It's, it's There's the past and the present and the future and it's all 
all together in this one place. And hmm. so it's been a wonderful inspiration for me for my photographs and for the poetry yeah. that I've started writing um, when I sort of became more enamored with that during grad, graduate okay. school. So a very spiritual connection with the land Absolutely, absolutely spiritual, completely, okay. and uh, and people people feel that. Yeah, they do. They do feel that when they when they go there. Yeah, well, I've only so been there the once, but it right. was very special. I could feel that mm. right away walking in. It's a lovely, lovely place with an, yeah. just a great vibe. Very peaceful. Very, very peaceful. And when there are no, no jet skis on the no. lake. <laughs> in the winter, likely even more peaceful. Exactly. <laughs> so I think you have a poem to share with us in that vein. I do, actually. It's... Uh, Something that I wrote a couple of years ago, and I was uh, just starting to mm -hmm. uh, to start writing poetry. Um, it's called "The Journey." Snow like mist sweeps across my frozen lake. I shuffle bow-legged, wool-socked feet, fur-lined boots on cat-gut webs double-gloved and face concealed behind fully confined mask, head covered in felt, I am both warm and cold. Trudging, I move forward. The wind makes a winter sound. Unlike any other season, air rushes through pine tree boughs, prolonged surges, then silence. Shallow trace of rabbits, deeper tracks of wolves and deer in motion, crisscross my snow path. I am never alone. Returning through a veil of white, I can see a smudge of green, welcoming, not so distant. I am nearly home. Lovely. That's great imagery. Thank you. Thank now, you. I, I think a photograph would work well with that. <laughs> but I, I think that I'll the, take a poll. <laughs> yeah, the, the words create such a strong image, but I think it could be supported with a visual as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, ah, anyway, that, yeah, certainly up for debate. And, <laughs> and I'll be interested to see where you end up on the spectrum of what could be. <laughs> Where I will journey, be interested too. Yeah, where your journey of poetry takes you. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, your journey of photography has certainly taken you all over the world, I think. And, and your photos are now living in Japan, for yes, example. Yes, yeah. The, how, uh, how did that come about? That was interesting. I was, I was um, contacted by the curator of the Kyoseto Museum and... Um, I don't know where he even saw my work. It might have been through Stephen Bolter Gallery, but mm -hmm. but I, I worked with him independently, and and he went on my website at the time, and he chose I think three or four images to mm -hmm. include in their collection, okay. and uh, so they I sold them to them, and then about two or three years later, they had those images in an exhibition. Uh huh. Over there, which I didn't. Able, you, I don't. No, you didn't get to attend. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I would have loved to, but no, I didn't. Didn't make that exhibition. Okay, but you may have made it to exhibitions of your work um, in Ottawa. I did. Okay. I did make that. Yes. And yeah. A couple of my images are in that collection, and, and that's in the National Gallery. Yes. It, well, it was then 
when there was a photography gallery that was separate from the National Gallery. Ah. But, and now it's housed in the National Gallery because okay. it's all one now. So people in that area could go and look for you. <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> Where else can they look for you? Um, I have some work. Uh, oh, gosh. I have some work at the Alliance Francaise in Toronto. I have some work in their their collection. Mm-hmm. I have some work in various collections down down in the private collections down in the, in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, along the East Coast, primarily, probably. Um, most well, there are some people who have private collections. As a matter of fact, um, Mac Fleetwood bought one of my pieces from wow. Fleetwood Mac. So wow. he had it in his his collection. I guess he has a collection. Maybe it's sitting on his bathroom wall. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it'll inspire a song. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another aspect of creativity that comes forward that if you're a poet, then sometimes you also write songs and so forth. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's really it's I always think of my photographs as as children, and I love when they're adopted by by good families. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. They don't write home, though. No, 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 no. Very rarely. Yeah. All right, and are you thinking about having another show here in Huntsville at some point? I would love to. I would love to show the work that I'm working on now, which is a major, major project. Okay. Um, it, it's called Life After Life, mm-hmm. and uh, that. It it has several sections. It's got large uh, large prints and caustic work, uh, some manipulated prints, okay. and um, and it's a, it's all about my connection to the the ancestral place and that that people can actually really um, relate to because a lot of yeah. people are in a similar situation of not yeah. having any children. What happens to yeah. the place after yeah, that? Yeah, to the place beloved homestead. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll look forward to seeing that and. Do you have a website you can I give do, us? It's I do. www something? ElizabethSiegfried.com. That's very Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, and Elizabeth spelled... With a Z, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H. And yes. Siegfried is spelled... S-I-E-G-F-R-I-E-D. Like... Siegfried and Roy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and on that note, we're going to say goodbye to Elizabeth Siegfried, Bet, and goodbye from me, Jenny Cressman, for Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM, The Bay. Thank you. You've been listening to Muskoka Unlimited on 88.7 FM, The Bay, or www.muskokaunlimited.com. Stay tuned for more wonderful episodes on our show.